0: Hello and welcome, Um, if you will, imagine that we are sitting in a circle and all around the circle are the phases of the moon. We can connect to the dark moon and we also see the full moon and then we see in between the waxing and the waning, so that we are in this complete circle. This is the circle I invite you into for this discussion on Hecate and the moon. So let's begin. If you have a candle, I invite you to light your candle, if you don't have one lit already. Um, I'm going to be working with this candle that has the sigil of peonios, um, and you can find that at the start of chapter 11 on Paonios the healer in entering Hecate's cave so this sigil is comprised of all the phases of the moon if you kind of you can see these are crescent moons um, and also they represent that opening up and that stretching out you can see how they're reaching out and we're opening up as we're connecting to the moon and Hecate as the moon. I also have this beautiful obsidian hound. um, Because you can't talk about Hecate and the moon without talking about the hounds of hers, because they are so linked to her from antiquity and so on. So here we go into the energy. We've lit the candle. If you need to, you can just Um, we almost didn't do the little ritual we always do. So let's do that. I'm coming out of another recording. So I've done this recently, but let's counterclockwise, cleansing space. And then we're clockwise, we'll bring space together. Protecting connecting with that clockwise circle, and I will read our invocation for this class. And again, this comes from entering Hecate's cave. Hail Hecate, goddess of the moon, unconquerable ruler of land, sea, and sky, I call upon you, attend me now. Hail Hecate, goddess of the moon, she who reigns over all liminal spaces and times, I call upon you, attend me now. Hail Hecate, goddess of the moon, divine intervener and mediator, I call upon you to attend me now. Hail, Hecate, goddess of the moon, mighty queen of the witches. Hail, Hecate, three-form goddess, reflected in the moon's three faces and the healing of the darkness. Hail, Hecate, key holder of the mysteries. The secrets of the moon are yours. Reveal them to me. I draw down the energy of your glorious moon. I seek your favor. My intention is true. And my will is strong. Now, of course, we can't talk about Hecate without talking about the moon. There are so many ancient sources linking Hecate with the moon that it is, you know, impossible for me in this short talk to go through all of them. What I want to do is kind of paint us a picture again we're here in our lunar circle and whenever we're in our lunar circle, the moon goddesses. With all of their different faces and names start to come so here in this circle, as we are starting to talk about our glorious Hecate and the moon, we are also invoking the presence of all the other lunar goddesses so this moon circle of ours is going to be very crowded because. The divine feminine is typically associated with the moon. And so just to give us, build us some scaffolding around Hecate and the moon, let's kind of just peel back to why the divine feminine, why the goddess is so associated with the moon and that the masculine is typically associated with the sun. I think this is, we need to like, kind of go back several thousand years in history. Um, again, this is this is not universal. There are, I think, um, in different mythologies, you know, the goddess is more associated with the sun and so on, there are different versions of this. So in general, um, if we looked at, you know, kind of doing a scan of All the known kind of traditions and cultures, there is a general tendency that the moon is associated with the goddess and the sun with God, the the masculine. Um, Although there are, of course, beautiful differences that this isn't always the case, but it's generally the case in psychology, the terms associated with the sacred feminine and the sacred masculine that the sacred feminine is called anima and is associated with the soul, the lunar, the intuitive, the magical, uh, the mystical, and so on. And anima or animus, the masculine is associated with the rational, the outer world, um, action, going forth in the world um, and what is solar and what is lit up not what it is mysterious it is literal um, versus intuitive you can see the kind of see the differences in the archetypal structures and this is a framework we use for better understanding the divine feminine and the divine masculine and that of course is beyond like gender roles and norms that these are just ways we organize our understanding of what is so much greater than us and what we stretch to understand as humans. If we go way, way back to Neolithic times, there is this association of the great mother figure with the moon. And over the, you know, the mists of history, and as Hecate became like identified as such that that name, which means far darting one, or the one from afar has different possible meanings, that um, Hecate became known as thus. She carried with her the early signatures of the great mother as being associated with the moon. Why the moon, you say? Why not the sun? Why in these areas of the ancient Mediterranean, Isis, for example, associated with the moon? Um, Artemis, of course, and Selene and you know, many other faces of the goddess associated with the moon. Why the moon? Why not the sun? Why did the women get the night? And uh, for me, instead, you know, 30 years now of studying this history and trying to find my place within it all and what feels true and beautiful and nourishing to me. The moon, from a psychological perspective, is typically seen as being like what I've said earlier, it's intuitive, it's emotional, it's feeling, it's uh, compassionate, it's in relation to, it's not, you know, the sun is about power over, the moon is about power with, and archetypally, the feminine, this is what the feminine is. The moon, of course, is also that light in the night sky that is that light in the darkness. That is like that caring mother who comes after a nightmare to soothe the child. You know, the moon, dear Luna, is always there. And to see the goddess... Whether we would know her as Hecate or Artemis or by many other names, certainly many depictions of the Christian Mary, uh, in particular, the Black Madonna is associated with the moon as well. So to see lunar iconography associated, sorry, lunar symbolism put into this ancient iconography of different goddesses, including Hecate, is the suggestion that You know this is about the intuitive it's about the magical it's about what lives outside of rationality this isn't like putting something on a box and measuring it there is an element of mystery there is an element of what is wild and can't be controlled because if you look at how the moon lights up the night although when the moon is full we can see many things there is always what is unknowable in the night. And the mysteries of the sacred feminine, the mysteries of creation and destruction are very connected to the symbolism of the moon in the night sky. And this is how the ancients would have perceived it. Of course, here in 2023, uh, we may see things a little bit different in terms of if we try to reduce this down to gender roles and such, But archetypally, looking at this goddess as the great regeneratrix, she is the great destroyer and the great creator. And we see this reflected in the moon's phases. And to the ancients, and even to us now, if you're a selenophile like I am, a lover of the moon, um, you know, we see the whole cycle, that great wheel of time played out every 28 days plus a bit as the moon goes through first all 12 signs of the zodiac, but it also goes through all of its phases. You know, we see the new moon when the moon hides its face and all is dark. That is that time for reflecting into ourselves of deeper explorations of who we are. And yet it is also a time of balanced energy. Although we can't see the moon, the moon is very much aligned with the sun, astronomically speaking, astrologically speaking, at that time. So even though we can't see the moon, there is a lot going on there. And it is a time for beginning anew. Um, Particularly with Hecate there's a lot associated with that new moon so let's let's start there in situating this conversation about Hecate and the new moon so let's work right through the phases and talk about our Hecate through the phases as well so the new moon to us today the new moon is the astronomical new moon which happens at a specific time and date on the calendar in the ancient world it, they didn't have this kind of calendar, you know, they used a different system. So I want to say by starting, this is something I wrote about in the keeping your keys book. And it's something that is a little tricky because we're so habituated to the new moon is the astronomical new moon and it happens here. So to the ancients, who would have been doing rituals to Hecate That was not the new moon, that was the dark moon, and it was the liminal space between months, actual calendar months, because the calendar was a lunar calendar. And on that night, after the sun went down, rituals were performed um, to honor Hecate, to propitiate Hecate to seek her favor for the coming month, her protection, um, to keep her hoard from causing trouble and so on. So I talked, I've talked more about that in other um, classes, so I won't get too into that there. But but it's important that that night, the night between months, that liminal zone was where Hecate was honored. And to understand the spirit of Hecate is to understand that, you know, when the moon is not visible, that is when she is most present. That she is the darkness and she is also the hope of the light that will return. So that is the new moon, that is the dark moon, which we know as the astronomical new moon. To the ancients, what they called pneumonia or the new moon, would have been when the moon first came back into the sky. And Hecate was also associated with this. And this was also like a a time when you know, you would do different rituals and so on. So it's a little bit different for us to think of it that way, right? Like, so the new moon is when you can actually see it come back, not the night when it's completely invisible. So that's a little bit of a way to kind of start to contemplate how you connect to Hecate and the moon. In this difference between the liminality of when we there is no moon visible. And then when it becomes like her pale light in the sky, her torch starts to return. And generally, in terms of magic, When the moon starts to return and when it is that first sliver of returning that is an opportune time for doing magic magic rituals intention setting and so on, that is about attracting to us what we want to draw towards us. The full moon. was not an antiquity associated with Hecate. But of course, magically speaking, we can associate Hecate with a full moon, and all the phases of the moon. But we you know, but it's like, let's hold that space for this tradition that's 1000s of years old, where Hecate is associated with the moon, yet when the moon is dark, is her most potent time, not when the moon is all lit up. However, as a lunar goddess, of course, she is associated with all phases of the moon. A lot of the writings about Hecate um, that we have today that have been very influential in how people understand Hecate come to us from a document known as the Greek Magical Papyri, which is a collection of magical fragments, the rituals, prayers, spells, charms, and so on, um, that was written kind of on about 2000 years ago with several hundred years variance around it. So it's a very old document um, around the start of the common era. So around the time, again, several hundred years Variants on either side, around the time of the, that the common era started, which is kind of the modern way that we say when Jesus was believed to have walked the earth. So about two thousand years ago or so. In the Greek magical papyri, many many places, in the spells that involve Hecate, Selene, Artemis, um, Kerberos, you know Hecate's dog they all very much speak to her as a moon goddess. So I thought I would read a little bit of uh, a translation of uh, the document to the waning moon or the spell to the waning moon from the PGM. So this is PGM, the fourth section, um, and it begins at line 2241. Hail, holy light, ruler of Tartarus, who strikes with rays. Hail, holy beam, who whirl up out of darkness and subvert all things. With aimless plans, I'll call and may you hear my holy words, since awesome destiny is ever subject to you, thrice-bound goddess. I now adjure you by this potent night in which your light is last to fade away in which a door opens, closes, sorry, in which a dog opens, closes not its mouth, in which the bar of Tartarus is opened, in which forth rages Kerberos armed with a thunderbolt. Bester yourself, Mene, who need the solar nurse guard of the dead. You, I implore, made by your stranger beams, You, I implore, O cunning, lofty, swift, O crested one, who draws swords, valiant, healer with forethought, far-famed, goading one, swift-footed, brave, crimson darkness, brimo, immortal, heedful, Persian, pastoral, alkyone, gold-crowned, the elder goddess, shining, sea goddess, ghostly, beautiful, the one who shows skiff holder aiming well, and on it goes. What is this all about? You see a lot of aspects of Hecate in this. Um, I've already mentioned the association with her dogs. And all of this business about the moon and moonbeams, you know, holy beings which your light is last to fade away. Uh, Menne, which means mood, she's called Menne in it. She's also called maid or Kore in it, but then she's called the elder goddess. And oftentimes, in modern ways, The elder goddess is confused with the aged goddess or the crone. It it's not as straightforward as that, you know, because if you think the divine does age like humans, then it would make a lot of sense to see it as the crone. But to the ancients who would have been writing this, they probably saw it differently. That elder meant um, most esteemed, not old and wizened. So there's a lot in that beautiful spell isn't there to take and you can feel the thrum of it and you can feel the emotionality underneath of it you know in in which forth rages Kerberos armed with a thunderbolt I implore you oh cunning lofty Swift oh crested one who draws swords valiant healer and that's where the epithet of peonios comes from just such, one of my favorite epithets of Hecate uh brimo so brimo means fierce or terrifying darkness or scotia so you can see all of this in these words and you can see how the the picture that emerges is one that has been so influential in how hecate is written about today by many including me so i wanted to share a little bit of that just to kind of set the energy for how ancient this connection is with Hecate and the moon. I wanted to also talk about something that's a little bit different and kind of draw from a different ancient historical text known as the Chaldean Oracles. And so this is like a philosophical, spiritual, Treaties that exist in fragments today, and this is basically like a spiritual guidebook written about 2,000 years ago, saying, you know, explaining the order of the universe, explaining what needs to be done to ascend and move on, and so on. So, it, it's a very different, it's not a spell book. This is a book about bigger things than, you know, having an immediate need and doing some type of working to alleviate the distress. In this, Hecate is very much portrayed as like this divine mediator, and that this divine mediator is the moon. So that the larger forces of the world are beyond earth and the moon, and that using the symbolism as Hecate as the moon, when we think of like how the moon sets the tides, how the moon is so influential, we need the moon to have life on earth. Although the sun is necessary without the moon, you know, like life on earth could not exist. So the two coming together are what is necessary for the flourishing of earth and in the chaldean oracles this is very much how things are written about and if we consider like the mindset probably at the time where what what is solar was masculine rational the lord and so on the king and what was lunar was you know like the queen um, the one who was more intuitive and that these two things coming together made for wholeness, made for life on Earth. And it also was the way for us to become whole, they call it wholeness, they didn't call it individuation. But that's what's being described in the Chaldean oracles. So we see this kind of more psycho spiritual understanding of Hecate as the moon and as a lunar goddess in this very different source. So there's we've got these two big different ancient sources. The PGM, which is basically an ancient grimoire, the Chaldean oracles, which is more of an exploration of spirituality. Um, And then we also have sources that describe the, the rituals to Hecate on the Dipnon. And then there's many fictional accounts and many plays in particular that also associated Hecate with the moon. So you'll see this, for example, in Medea's story. Um, and other stories where, you know, Hecate, the moon is out, and you know, Hecate emerges, and so on in these, like in these plays and stories as well. So there's all these different ancient sources that are very, you know, disparate in what they're about, or their, um, their format, that reference Hecate and the moon. And then there are existing like magical gems, which I'm so obsessed with, and statues and other things that clearly connect Hecate with the moon. So that you know, there's this clear portrait of Hecate being a lunar goddess. And then we arrive at Artemis, who later became Diana, um, and so on with the Romans. But then there's Artemis, who is also a goddess of the moon, often depicted as young, um, modern terms, we often see her as queer, that she was very independent. Um, She had her arrows that she she was associated with deer and dogs and so on, And, and she was very much on the fringe. Which is not that different from Hecate being the liminal one the mediator it, when you think about it, like the mediator is the one who is the go between. Between what is over there and where you are now, so that is the liminal space Artemis is like the one who is over there, um, so it's slightly different, but in the historical records. Artemis is very much associated with Hecate and a lot of times they seem to be entwined or merged in different sources. So I wanted to read this passage from uh, Mysteries of the Dark Moon by the amazing Demetra George. So this is what she says about um, Hecate and Artemis and Selene. Hecate is one of the oldest embodiments of the great triple goddess, known as Hecate Triformis, who expressed her threefold dominion over many realms. Perfora wrote, the moon is Hecate. Her power appears in three forms. Statues of this goddess often depict her as three female figures, or crowned with a triple turreted headdress, or with three heads. Her three faces reflect the triple extension of her powers over heaven, earth, and the underworld. Here in the realm of nature, she was honored as Selene, the moon, in heaven, Artemis, the huntress, on earth, and Hecate, the destroyer, in the underworld. In this triad form, she had control over birth, life, and death. As the essence of the moon, Hecate also presided over the three lunar phases in the raiment of Artemis, the crescent new moon, Selene, the luminous full moon, and Hecate, the waning moon. So we see what the great Demetra George is doing here. She's categorizing um, Hecate as the waning moon or the aging moon, the chrome moon artemis as the crescent moon the maiden moon the growing moon and selene as the full moon or the mother moon so she's using these categories to kind of put them into this triplicity i want to have just a few more notes about our selene so selene is to the ancient greeks selene was the personification of the moon and in a lot of the the sources that describe Hecate and the moon, and if you think back to that spell from the PGM that I read, you can see this too. That this is Hecate is the goddess of the moon. She presides over the moon, and she's also the one with the beams, and so on. And so Selene, to the ancient Greeks, was a personification of the moon, and she rode her chariot across the sky um, to raise the moon as helios you know would put the sun to bed after he drove the sun across the sky in the morning and so on so there was this the feminine was associated with moon and then the masculine for the sun so we see this as well so to be the personification of the moon goes beyond like any kind of uh, you know kind of presiding over it it is the spirit of the moon itself. So, that is to the ancients how they understood Selene. So, I thought I would read another passage from the Greek magical papyri. Uh, this is from the same section that talks, and uh, sometimes they use the word conflated, but so what I tend to use the word merge. So, you can see in this passage that Selene is merged with Hecate so I'll read you this oh and also Aphrodite come here to me goddess of night beast slayer and heed my prayers Selene who rises and sets at night triple-headed triple-named mistress of night and the underworld sacred round whom the star traversing nature of the universe spins give heed to me lady i ask of you you have established every worldly thing for you engendered everything on earth and from the sea and every race in turn of winged birds who seek their nests again mother of all who bore love aphrodite lamp-bearer shining and aglow Selene. So you can see that the author of this passage was merging Selene and Hecate with the moon, and you can see and and really connect to that spirit, I think, about the loving, healing energy that flows from the the moon. And indeed, the author uses Aphrodite um, and perhaps not calling upon Aphrodite as a separate goddess, but calling forth. The Aphrodite. Agape pure love energy um, in that petition so it's so beautiful. I want to just talk a few more minutes before I wrap up about the, the lunar and the solar, because This distinction between what is lunar and what is solar, I think is so relevant to the times in which we live. And if you have ever like looked at a map late at night and you've seen like the world lit up and you've seen how little of the world is actually in darkness at night. I like to use that as a parallel for the way like the state that the world is in that we have been too solar we are addicted to artificial light we reject the nourishing night that we are so afraid of the scary aspects of the night that we forget you know that night for us like when we are home safe in our houses and we're eating supper uh, we're doing all those things that we can't do when we 're out in the world it's the moon is private time, right that we but we've become so hooked on what is solar on you know so the moon is reflection, solar is projection the moon is contentment the sun is success mm-hmm. that we've become so hooked on what is solar that it's led you know, to uh, for us to completely make a mess out of the planet. Um, You know, the rejection of the solar, the rejection of the lunar that's toxic positivity, you know, everything is great. Everything just gets swept under the rug. Um, You know, many of us grew up in homes where we didn't talk about difficult things and we know now that that leads to like an avoidant attachment style and causes us to struggle in our adult relationships where we don't have the language to talk about difficult things because anything difficult was just under rug swept when we were younger and that is the that kind of avoidance that's that solar avoidance if it's difficult if it's emotional we're not going to talk about it so I do feel that the rise in popularity and the interest in you know lunar goddesses is very much connected to our individual paths towards individuation, our journey to wholeness, our, our healing journey. And it's also in a global sense, a a drive from something much greater than us to rectify the obsession with what is excessively solar in our world. And I do believe that Hecate's medicine whether, you know, you connect to her as uh, a devotee, whether you identify as a witch, whether neither of those things apply to you, you're just fascinated by Hecate, I feel like however we kind of enter Hecate, she is that call to what is lunar. She is the call to the deeper self. She is the call back to intuition. She is the call to allow mystery to be mystery, to stop trying to suck all the magic out of the world, um, and to remember that the world is enchanted. You know, if you ever go out at night under the moon and, and just listen to the sounds of the natural world at night or you experience the stillness at night and just enter in to what that feels like you can you know there is that element of things being hidden which because we can be so super solar that we think we have to be able to see things with our eyes in order to understand it or to protect ourselves against it But I think that the the medicine of Hecate is to go beyond our eyes and to sense things with our intuition, even to get back into our bodies and sense things with our bodies and not just relying on if I can't see it, uh, it's a threat. And if I can't see it, it also doesn't exist because things have to be lit up with the glaring fluorescent light of modern society. And if you go into the, the night, and you allow your vision to adjust, you can see so much. So that is Hecate, you know, she is that call to adjusting to the darkness. See what's not obvious, see what lies beneath. Um, and there's also the element of trust in ourselves trust in her trust in the universe whatever you want to call it that all is unfolding as it should be to go out into the night and you know it is a a practice that's been around for thousands of years where people would walk on the darkest night when there was no visible moon this was known as hecate's Dipnon or supper and they would walk in this dark night and you have to think in ancient times they didn't have street lights and they would walk to the crossroads to leave her a meal that that was a real act of bravery there was a lot of trust involved in going out into that dark night to do that and i think that is such a spiritual pilgrimage um, you know to experience hecate as the moon goddess that she is, again, you know, however you relate to Hecate, whether you're curious about her or you're a devotee, or you know you want to connect with Hecate in terms of doing psychological work, that experience of taking a simple offering to the crossroads in the dark, um, and that bravery that feeling a sense of security, that you will be protected, um, and also like the potentiality that there are things to be frightened of, and that it's a way to explore what we're frightened of within ourselves as well. I think that is what Hecate is, that invitation. You know, Hecate is the one who scares the life into us and can inspire us towards our own lunar reclaiming of intuition of seeing all emotions as sacred uh, and of doing that deep interior inquiry into ourselves and rejecting the solar rejecting you know this need to always be like hustle culture we need to just get over hustle culture once and for all um and You know, like the rational and the success, like that you've got to have more money and more, you know, more possessions, more, more, more. The moon doesn't need any of this and Hecate doesn't need any of it either. And either do we, you know, we need equanimity, of course. We need to function in this world, but we need to be more lunar and that we're more relying on what feels intuitively right for us. What is self-compassionate? What is that agape energy? you know, while we are understanding that there are things in this world that are frightening, it's not toxic positivity. It's saying like, I choose love, and I choose safety and security. And that is where I'm healing into knowing full well, not being, you know, naive, or ignorant, in that there are dangers in the world, because, you know, denying the dangers of the night is foolish. And, you know, toxic positivity has been so harmful. And you know, it is so the opposite of self compassion, or being compassionate to others, we need to go lunar with those we are in relationship with and let them be upset when they're upset, and not just trying to diminish their suffering. And to just say, you know, like the moon, I am here for you. And I will listen so i hope you find a way into hecate and her moon especially that dark moon the astrological new moon and perhaps even like me on the night when that moon is first visible again do a little something special do a little something magical to begin the new lunar month of course uh the lunar Cycle is so important to me that I structure all my courses and the academic year in my organization, the Covina Institute, around the lunar calendar, so we start the day after. Sometimes it's a little fluid, we are very liminal, so we either start the day of or the day after the astrological astronomical new moon um and that's when the you know and but we also end the month there and we do like a turnover ritual um so we are always honoring the moon in Covina you can find out more about what's going on in Covina by going to the website if you're not already a student in Covina um hail to Hecate and her glorious moon And to all of the lunar goddesses, Artemis, Selene, and all the rest. Thanks so much for watching and listening.